Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Whether you're in your garden or hiking through the woods, we have you covered. Call now with your outdoor questions. In Appleton, call 281-1150 or outside the valley, 866-887-1150. From the Myron Construction Studio, it's Outdoors with Rob Zimmer on WHBY. Welcome to Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. I'm your co-host, Zach Morris, here with you. And Rob, how's it going? Things, oh, there we go, there we go. Things, yeah, things are going well, and it's getting cold again, but it's winter. What do you expect? It's, we knew it was going to happen. Technically, if you're a weatherman, it's spring. March 1st starts the spring record-keeping season for re- weather records, so it's spring. Yeah, we knew it was going to happen, but, uh, yeah. well, we were so spoiled two weeks ago, and it was a great I know, time right? to go on the trails. It, it was, was beautiful. Fun. And, and now back to winter. Yeah, you'll get prepared for it. We'll be yep. here before you know it. But it was so pretty, Zach. You know, it, was it was beautiful. It was wonderful. And then you yeah, had the thunderstorms. It was like, I'm not yes. used, I am not used to this. <laughs> that was crazy. People were, uh, everyone was posting on Facebook. You know, I woke up to thunder, woke up to thunder, and the lightning show and everything. That was pretty cool. You just never get thunder that. snow. I just like that word, thunder snow. <laughs> well, Rob, what have you been up to the last week? Uh, the last week has been very busy, as usual. I'm always busy. Um, what did I do last week? Besides getting out and enjoying all the, the wacky weather, because it did get cold again, like everyone knows. We had spring two weeks ago, and it was 70, 65, 70, and then all of a sudden it's like 7 or 8 every morning now. But it's going to warm up tomorrow. It's supposed to be 50. Monday I saw almost 60, so that's going to be great. 50 on Tuesday again. Uh, this past week I just did a lot of hiking, a lot of traveling around. Thursday night, I spoke to a big group in Shauna. We had about 90 people. I spoke on gardening with ornamental grasses, so that was a cool program Thursday night at Qualheim's uh, True Value up there, so that was pretty cool. Other than that, just just driving around. Um, what else did I do? I'm trying to think. <laughs> it was such a busy week. Oh, and then last weekend, we it was kind of fun at Silver Mist Garden Center out in Wapaka. I did these planting parties where people come in actually, you know, in in February, in early March, and plant these giant hanging baskets with all their annuals and stuff, you know, for summer. So that was cool to just be inside a warm greenhouse with a bunch of people planting hanging baskets for the summer season and getting them all started. And then they take care of them there, and then people pick them up in May and hang them up in their cottages and gardens and stuff. You can call in with your questions or comments. Just call in at 281-1150 or outside the Appleton area at one 887 Eleven fifty, and yeah, I mean, the weather was pretty good yesterday. This past week, not too yeah. bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was a little windy a couple days, but yeah, no. I mean, nothing. We got some snow, which was a little bit less than they predicted at first, but it, it was pretty. Um, the cool thing, the last over the last week, starting last last Friday until all the way through this week, are the ice shoves on Lake Winnebago. Um, I toured the whole lake a couple times this week, driving around the lake, checking out the biggest ice shoves on the lake. And, you know, the first night last week, the wind was so strong coming out of the northeast when we had that big storm um, with the rain and snow last week. Um, and the big shoves were over on the, the southwest side and then the, the southern end of the lake in Fond du Lac. There was just some huge ice shoves, you know, 15, 20 feet high. Um, Lakeside Park, there was some damage. A lot of people saw the yacht club there was damaged. Um, the lighthouse just buried in ice and a lot of the trees along the shore. And I took some really cool pictures. You can check them out on my Facebook page. 
uh, Rob Zimmer Outdoors, facebook.com slash Rob Zimmer Outdoors. Uh, and then later in the week, the last couple days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the wind kind of switched when we got that south wind when the got a little bit warmer for a couple days there. And then the ice shelves moved over to the other side of the lake. So we're uh, south of High Cliff, Farrell Springs Road. A lot of homes were damaged or several homes and outbuildings were damaged by the ice. It was 12, 15 feet high there. Um, and then south, Calumet County Park had some ice shelves, a few um, on that side of the lake. So, And there's still a lot of ice out there. So whatever way the wind blows next, if we get a strong wind, whatever way it goes, that ice is going to pile up on whatever shore is opposite of that. So it's pretty cool. If you haven't seen it, drive around the lake. I know several people on my Facebook page were asking me. They said they're going to drive around the lake today and check out the ice shoves. So it's a pretty cool, pretty cool event. There are really great pictures. I have a bunch of people on my yeah. Facebook just getting out there, and yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, you don't think about when you uh, it's winter ice, but yeah. the ice shoves that build build up all the ice. Yes. It's always great to see. It's amazing, and and I think the highest one I saw was um, just south of Nina, between Nina and Oshkosh, right at the tip of of Payne's Point there. Uh, there's a little island that's, like, completely buried. It must be 20 feet high. I mean, the trees, you know, are, are probably 30, 40 feet, and it goes right to the almost to the top of those trees. And then um, right in Oshkosh at the Waters Restaurant, um, really big ice shoves there damaged some, some docks and things. And even just right in Nina, I saw a couple. I saw some damage at Kimberly Point Park. The ice just pushed up against the, the dock there at the lighthouse and, and bent that a little bit. So um, ice can do some, some damage. Yeah, but that- it's so amazing. It's so awesome to just see it. Yeah, you do the downside with the damage from the ice, but those pictures yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. And the video of it actually happening, I mean, a lot of people, you know, see the the ice piles after it's happening or after it's happened, but as it's actually going on, the, you can see it like rolling. I mean, it's just the ice is just rolling on top of each other and falling down and more ice is piling up on top of it, just layering on top of it. And there were a couple of pretty cool videos from, from Fond du Lac that night, too, that uh, were out there, so... Pretty cool thing to hear too, and the, hearing that ice come in is a, is another thing altogether. Yeah, my parents live on the river, and you just see the ice when it breaks down, yeah. going through yep. Menasha too. And it does, yep, it just rides down the river. So yeah, if you checked all the ice shrubs this weekend, give us a call, or if you're going to go check them out, or if you've seen them this week, uh, give us a call too. It's a pretty neat thing. And then along with the ice shrubs, you know, the the flooding along the Wolf River, like you said, the ice out. On some of the rivers, the Wolf River, the whole Wolf River from like Shano all the way down um, through at least Shyocton and beyond is just completely flooded right now. It's pretty cool. It, it refroze a little bit, but there's a lot of open water out there. And it's just, it's at peak flooding right now. So pretty cool. And that's a couple of weeks early. Usually it doesn't happen until the middle, part, middle, late part of March. So it's a at few least weeks early. All this is happening after sturgeon spearing. Yeah. Yeah, could you imagine if that would have been happening during the season? Which it has. Sometimes it's been pretty warm and rainy during mm-hmm. sturgeon spearing. But, yeah, there's a lot of open water out on Lake Winnebago right now. I was out there, and, you know, from the, from the from the other side of the lake, from the east side, when you look out over the lake, you can see a lot of blue out there. So a lot of that ice did pile up, um, and the, but there's a lot more to come. So when we get a good wind. Uh, speaking of fishing... Uh, today in Oshkosh, the Northeast Wisconsin Fishing Show is going on. So if you're looking for something to do um, indoors, because it's a little bit chilly today, the Northeast Wisconsin Fishing Show is taking place at the Sunnyview Expo Center in Oshkosh. So that's today, 9 to 7, tomorrow, 10 to 4. All kinds of cool exhibits. If you've been there before, the Northeast Wisconsin Sport Fishing Show, um, really cool. They have uh, the trout pond. It's pretty popular, the big trout pond for kids. Um, actually for adults too, I think it's pretty cool, but they fill a great big pool with trout and you can, you can catch them and things like that. So that's cool. And you feed them. Um, and then all sorts of displays, obviously it's a sport fishing show. You'll find all sorts of, um, seminars, all sorts of lures and things like that. 
They have their uh, 70-foot wall of musky baits, which is pretty cool. You go check out a 70-foot wall of these just amazing uh, musky baits. And then they're doing lots of seminars today, too. So there's seminars at 10, at 11.30, at 1, 2.30, and 4. All different fishing seminars going on there. All different um, local and regional fishing experts will be there. Oh, oh, another one at 5.30, too. And then tomorrow, tomorrow's kind of cool. Tomorrow's the day for kids. Greg Karch, who's a, a well-known um, kids, uh, he helps kids get into fishing. He's going to be there doing his, his program um, for kids and adults at 1130. And then they have a couple more programs that way that day, too. Um, Barb Carey is going to be talking about women who like love to fish. So if you're a woman and love to fish, be there Sunday at 1. Um, yeah, so pretty cool show there in Oshkosh, the Northeast Wisconsin Sport Fishing Show. Yeah, something to do. If you don't want to stay inside all day, you gotta go out sooner right. or later. And hey, if you like fishing, it's time to go out. Now, I'm not yes. a big fisher. I don't know if you are. I used to be. I haven't done it in a while, but I used to. I mean, that's how I got started in all the nature and gardening stuff was fishing with my dad up north and you know fishing over on Lake uh, Lake Michigan and Lake Winnebago and all over. I mean, we fished all over the state, all different kinds of fishing: salmon fishing, trout fishing, panfish, muskies, northerns, everything. So. We're just catching a lot of perch and sheephead. That was the main sheepheads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mostly sheepheads, but yeah, yeah you got to get through those early fishing days. Yeah. But. One of my favorites is bullhead fishing at night. I mean, bullheads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We always fish at night um, up north uh, on High Falls, and I remember just doing it once in a, in a huge thunderstorm. So there's just lightning flashing everywhere, but we're out on this dock in the pouring rain catching bullheads like crazy. I mean, it was pretty amazing. Two eight one eleven fifty is the phone number. If you've got a fishing story, and call oh, us. Yeah, I'm sure plenty of our listeners <laughs> have fishing stories, but not many for me. But again, this I think is out- still sleeping <laughs> outdoors with Rob Zimmer on WHBY. We'll take a break. We'll be back shortly here on WHBY. Welcome back to Outdoors with Rob. Zimmer on WHBY. I'm Zach Morris, and let's head to the phone lines. We have Lucas in Green Bay. Good morning, Lucas. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, I Lucas. A, oh, oh, I'm awesome. All I got right. a good fishing story for you guys. Oh, good. So, we were up north for a whole week, and I kept begging my dad, get the boat in the water, let's go fishing. Yeah. Um, he's sitting back and drinking a beer, so I go, well, well <laughs> to heck with it. I'll go fishing alone. Of course, I didn't have a boat. So I grab my life jacket and put my fishing teeth in my pole, and I swim out to the middle of the lake and start casting. Oh, no. Little did he know I caught a walleye. The hard part was trying to swim back with that fishing pole and a fish hanging off the end of my teeth. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? Did you really do that? I, I as We got pictures of it and everything. It was oh, amazing. that's cool. I, I know. I just thought I'd share that. Yeah, I know there's people who, even even when it's ice, they'll wear an inner tube around them and go out on the ice just in case they fall in, or even in the summer, they'll walk out there in an inner tube and fish from the inner tube. So, oh, yeah, boy. it that works. sounds cold. Yeah, but just in case, you know, because <laughs> if the ice is really bad but they still want to fish, yeah, uh, they'll put imagine. an inner tube on and go out there. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's Thanks, an awesome guys. story. Yep, and you caught one. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lucas. Yeah, no problem. All right, Bye. happy fishing. Yep. That's a funny story. That's awesome, though. And, yeah, people do. People who want to fish will do anything to go out there and fish. Next on the phone line, we have Karen. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Hi, Karen. I have an Easter lily that's about 12 inches tall, and I'm wondering how to uh, keep it so it will blossom at the right time. Did you – is this the first year you've had it, or have you had it for multiple years? 
Well, I had it last year. I brought it in before frost, and I've had it all winter in the sunroom, so it's it's tall. It's uh, about 12 inches tall. Does it have flower buds on it? No. No? Okay. Yeah, I would... Um, is it in the brightest place possible in your sunroom right now? Yes, it is. Yeah, I would just keep going, keep watering it. Have you been watering it regularly? Oh, yes. Yep. I would just keep watering it. It should start to form buds. Um, hopefully, it'll bud this year. Um, if it doesn't, you may have to wait till next year. But it sounds like you're doing everything right. Keep it warm. Keep it growing. Um, as okay. it matures now, Easter is uh, Easter is the middle of April. It's I think it's the middle of April this year. What year? What week is right. April? Yeah. So if it's about a foot tall, you're doing pretty good. It's almost ready to start forming buds. Um, oh, it's not too tall. No, a foot. Yeah. I usually they stay a little bit shorter like that. If it get, if it gets any taller, um, did you have it outside in the ground or just in a pot? I had it outside in the ground. In the ground. Did it flower last last summer? Yes, it did. It did. Okay. Yeah, I would just keep doing what you're doing. Okay. And hopefully it, hopefully it'll bud for you. Sometimes they skip a year if they do that. So if it doesn't start to form buds, don't be, you know, don't be disappointed. Sometimes they just do that because they're not hardy in our area. Cuz okay. if it bloomed if it bloomed at Easter and then bloomed again in the summer, it might be a yes. little bit tired, but hopefully, I mean it's growing. You said it's a foot tall and it's green and growing, so uh, Right. You should have luck with it. Okay. All right. Could you could you uh, discuss how you planted your hanging baskets? Geranium baskets. Your or, hanging baskets. Oh, the hanging baskets. Oh, yeah, at the at the at the garden center. You mean? Yes. Yep. So what they do is they get their plugs in um, at Silver Mist Garden Center. They get the little annual plugs, and we get hundreds of different kinds actually that people can choose from. So how you start them is you know we have the hanging baskets, have the soil, and people will come in and. and we have all sorts of designs they can pick from. So whatever they like, whatever color combinations, planting combinations, uh, they pick some plants. You know, they, they pick some what what they call thrillers or your centerpiece, um, some fillers, which are your filler plants that go around the middle, you know, the nice mounding, colorful things, and then okay. some, some spillers, which are the trailers, the trailing plants. Okay. So, and they can pick either sun or shade, Um plants you know a basket for sun or shade and we have plenty of plants for both and then basically you just take the plugs um arrange them according to to what's in the picture or the design or else we just make one up too we're really creative you can make up a design of your own um and then just stick the plugs in water them you know put them in a, a like you said we have a, a greenhouse there but you could put it in a bright sunroom or a nice under growing lights and just keep watering it and fertilizing it every every week and watering depending how how moist it is in your sunroom. You probably have to water every day. Um, and then we just keep them growing there. You'll have to give them a couple of haircuts if you're planting them this early because, you know, they're going to get big and they're going to get showy. So you want to trim them a couple of times to look, keep them looking healthy. Um, and then usually by by Mother's Day, early May, mid-May, they're they're ready to go. And how many do you put in a pot so they're nice and full? It depends on the size. Um, we did 14-inch, 16-inch, and 20-inch. A 14-inch oh. basket... Um, usually about six to seven plants, okay. six to seven plugs. And this is when they're small. You know, if you can get the plugs from from some location uh, when they're small like this, if they get, you know, once they get bigger, it's hard to stuff that many in. So we put them in now when they're small because then, then they fully root and get fully full to size and everything. A 16-inch right. yeah, pot, probably eight to nine plants. Okay. And then a 20-inch pot, 12 to 14 inches, uh, 12 to 14 plants. Oh, okay. So yeah, so that that's that's a good size, and you don't want to pack too many more in there than that, or the plants start to lose their, you know, they lose their vigor. They don't do what they're supposed to do. Um, oh, all right. 
right. Yeah, so that's that's about how you do it, and okay, it's fine. Okay, I thought maybe you started from seed. Oh no, well we, we do have plants started from seed there too, but for the hanging basket specifically, uh, the plugs work the best because they're they're starting to grow. Um, and just like at the garden center, the the best ones are the ones that aren't flowering yet, you know, because they're all their energy is in their root system. So those little plugs work really good, and then they're they're in their home right away, and they they grow, and that's their you know that's where they're gonna do their best. Oh well, thank you for your information. Oh, sure, you bet. Thank yep, you. Bye. You bet. Yep. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Two eight one eleven fifty one eight six six eight eight seven eleven fifty are the phone numbers. Um, Rob, uh, we talk about spring coming up, and soon we'll be having to worry about those little ticks. Yes, we will. And I did get a question from Diana. Uh, she wanted me to talk about um, how to protect yourself from ticks because, you know, everybody wants to go outside and everybody wants to go out in nature, but a lot of people are paranoid about ticks uh, for good reason. And the ticks are already out this year. I've heard a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people posting on Facebook um, when it was really warm last week that they've already found ticks, you know, on themselves and on their pets. So the ticks are active, or at least they were. Um, they're probably resting a little bit right now, but they'll be active again this week if it hits 60 again. Um, so she wanted me to talk about tick repellents and things like that. Um, there's a lot of different, you'll hear a lot of different um, homemade-type tick repellents using things like essential oils um, and things like that. For me, if personally, if I'm seriously concerned about ticks, I'm going to go for the good stuff. I'm going to go for the either the DEET or the, um, I can never say that word, <laughs> the the P word that comes from chrysanthemums. But you want to go for the good stuff if you're really concerned, you know, unless you want to take a chance that some of those home remedies work. Again, some of the essential oils are, are known to work, like cedar oil and some of the other ones. Mix them with water, spray them on. Um, but the really good products, uh, the no-fail products are like your deep woods off and things like that for ticks. Um, there's also things you can do. You know, people, people. another home remedy is people will tie uh, dryer sheets and things like that around the buckles of their, um, or the belt loops of their jeans and on their hats and things like that. A lot of people swear that by that. They, th- they say it works. A lot of people will wipe the dryer sheet on their skin and, and claim that works too. But if you're really seriously concerned, I would go for the the regular store purchased uh, repellents um, because, you know, ticks, there's so much danger with Lyme disease, things like that. And Lyme disease, we were just talking about that, that can affect people in a lot of different ways for a long time. I mean, it can affect your, your it cause pain, it can affect your vision, your hearing, everything. So you don't want to mess around when it comes to ticks. Um, some of the, the best things to do too, though, are just to, to watch you know, protect yourself, protect your clothing, you know, tuck in your, your sites. It looks weird, but tuck in your jeans under your socks and things like that, or wear boots. Um, um, I'm just looking for some other things here because a lot of the, the feet are where they're going to get you. A lot of people think ticks drop down from the trees and stuff like that. They're not up in the trees. They're on the ground. That's where these little nymphs and things are that are going to start crawling up your, from your feet, um, onto your skin and find a nice tender, juicy spot and start eating. That sounds gross, but that's what they do. That's what ticks do. Um, yeah, so you want to especially watch your feet and protect your feet. Um, there's all sorts of things. I mean, there are, if you're talking about home, like in your home yard, there are things that you can do to, to help with ticks. You know, a lot of people get chickens and guinea hens because they eat ticks. Um, opossums are a natural predator that eats ticks. They're one of the biggest natural predators of ticks are opossums and turkeys. So, you know, don't don't start shooing away all those possums and turkeys from your from your yard. But I like, I mean, my favorite personally is just deep woods off. It's it's my 
I, I don't get ticks very much. I don't know if they just don't like me or what. Even if I don't wear anything, I, I don't usually get a, a lot of ticks. But, um, yeah, just make sure your shirt's tucked in, your your socks are, are over your jeans, wear a hat, obviously, spray your shoes, your socks, your belt line, your collar, all of that uh, with a tick repellent. Either the, the permethrin, which is the chrysanthemum-based thing, or the DEET, whatever you want to do. And always check yourself right away when you're done uh, walking. because And check your clothes, too, because they'll be on your clothes. Those little tiny ones are hard to spot. Um, and then, again, the lavender oils and, and things like that. If you wanted to try some of those homemade remedies, there's recipes online. You can Google it. Uh, lavender oil, lemon oil, citronella oil. Um, bergamot oil, cedarwood, lemon, eucalyptus, peppermint oil. Uh, geranium oil is supposed to work really good, I've heard, too, and rosemary. So those are just some herbs, uh, herbal essential oils that you could use to spray yourself with. Um, and they're all natural. But personally, if I was going to trust anything, it would be your, your deep woods off and, and products like that for ticks. And that's what I've used, too, yeah. Yeah, and it works. And just yeah. trying to avoid, you know, if you know where ticks are going to be, avoid the high grass areas. Yeah. I mean, that's where you yep. really get caught. Grassy them. areas, yep, because they're down there. They're just waiting um, to find someone to walk through, either a deer or you, and, and feed on you. So, yeah, ticks are, are nothing to mess around with, like I said. So unless you really know these home remedies are going to work, and if there's anyone out there who's tried them or, or, or makes them, give us a call and let us know how they work. Um, but otherwise, I would go for the the strong stuff for for ticks because there's no messing around. Once once they get you, they got you. Two eight one eleven fifty is the phone number. Let's head back to the phone lines. We have Ken. Good morning, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. I got one question on a blue spruce. As far as trimming them, and it's kind of about it's about ten years old, <clears throat> and the uh, they, they it's actually a shorter style of a. A spruce, blue spruce, and they call it Fat Albert. Oh yeah, but okay. Any, but anyway, um, as far as trimming that, I should trim that like, like now or in spring, or just give me a hint. Um, are you trimming it to shape it, or how? You, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, now is a good time before the new growth starts to come out. You you could trim it now. That would be, I mean, how big? How big is it? You said it's probably about let's just say uh, maybe. Seven, eight feet tall. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, if you're just trimming it to shape it, you can actually pretty much do that at any time as long as you don't go, go back too far. I'm assuming you're just just snipping off the tips, things like that. Um, now would be a good time before the new growth comes out because then you'll get that nice flush of new growth later on. Um, you can actually really do that any time on those evergreens. So if you're just trimming it to shape it a little bit, okay. they're not that picky. Just don't cut back too far. Don't cut back on the needles to where the, the, dead, the dead part is. Keep toward the end if you're just trimming it. If you're doing severe pruning, that's a little bit different. But if you're just shaping it, um, now would actually be a really good time. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. And I was actually going to just trim them. I guess it's like the fork. You trim it like just to shape it Yeah. right at that fork, correct? Yes. Yep. Uh, depending how it looks. I mean, if, it, if it's starting to look like um, – like, uh, picky you know what i mean if they're if they're kind of if it's just getting awkward and there's little shoots sticking out yeah the four i mean that's the best place obviously you don't have to worry if you're just shaping it you don't have to worry about every single little branch getting to that fork you could just you know basically almost take a shears i mean and just shear it down so it's the right shape um if you're just shaping it a different like i said different kinds of prunings are different but if you're just shaping it um you could just take you could do a lot of it at once you don't have to worry about every little fork okay Yep. Great. And just kind of smooth it out, even it out, and that's all you really need to do. Those are pretty um, 
very pretty trees and they keep their shape well. So there shouldn't be a lot of pruning that's needed unless you haven't done it for a while. Right, and it, it actually hasn't been. Oh, okay, yep. Okay. Yep. And, uh, yeah. But for the most part, it does have great shape. Yeah, yeah, and that Fat Albert is a nice one for the, for that. It keeps its shape well. And if you need, you know, if you need someone to help you, just stand out there to make sure it's even and all that. Just have someone have someone kind of watch you because it can get kind of tricky if you're doing an eight foot tree by yourself. Sure. You know, yeah. To to get the whole picture. So. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But it, it's a pretty easy job for those. Okay. Yeah. Well, as long as it's all looking healthy and and nice fresh color and everything. So. Yes. Yep. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yep. I would do it now. Okay, thank you so very much. You bet. Thanks, Ken. Bye. Bye. Next caller on the line, we have Lindsley. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Hi, this is Lindsay. Lindsay, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I have two questions for you. All right. I love okay, questions. Okay, first one is pretty easy. Okay, so I'm looking for a small, like a bush type thing with berries for my backyard and i've heard that dogwood would be good but is that a tree or a bush Do- it's it's either there's dogwoods that have been um like grafted into trees but most often it's a bush it's a native bush in wisconsin so it's actually an awesome one that would be one that i would recommend too there's actually two separate kinds there's the red twig dogwood which has bright like cherry red stems um and they really look red right now so now now that it's um, february it's not even february anymore either it's march now that it's March, the sap is starting to rise in them, and they just look like blood red. They're really cool. Oh. And then they get and pretty. And is it a big tree? Um, there's several different varieties. You can get dwarf varieties if you go to a good garden center. You can find both both dwarf ones. Um, but even the even the regular native one doesn't get any more than maybe eight feet tall and wide. So I'm not sure how small you're looking, but yeah, I don't know either. There's <laughs> just yeah. a lot of space in my backyard. And... Oh yeah. And then there's really have anything with berries, so yeah, dogwood's a great one. And then there's yellow twig dogwood too that has bright yellow stems that are, that look beautiful. And you plant you know plant them side by side, and it's gorgeous. So, okay, those have berries too, then. Yep, yep. So are you talking berries for birds or for wildlife yes. or for you? Okay, yeah, but not for me. <laughs> okay, yeah, because who cares about you? No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, because ras- I mean, I was going to say raspberries and stuff too, but um, yeah, other other shrubs that make berries are service berry, which is really cool little shrub and those can be small trees too but service berry comes in both shrub and tree form and that's really popular for birds especially um, it's also called june berry so okay. you might see those and they have really pretty flowers um, early in spring like in april and may they have really pretty white flowers and then they get the berries later on in the year um, so that's a good one so and, what are the trees that have the bunches of the little orange berries bunches of the trees are yeah. you talking about mountain ash is it a big tree I think it's a, a normal, like a size of a maple. Okay, yep. Yeah, that's probably mountain ash. Okay. And those, I actually have one in my yard. Yeah. And cedar those, wax, cedar wax like wings those? and birds love the, oh yeah. Oh, the okay, robins sure. are in there right now because it still has some leftover berries, but robins and cedar wax wings and orioles and all kinds of birds love mountain ash. Yep. Okay. And they get the orange berries. So they get white flowers in the spring and then it looks like it snows for a week or so and then all of a sudden you get the big. Um, orange berries by like late summer and fall perfect yeah okay so my other question um with spring migration coming up yes um i know it's already started well yes but i mean (laughs) like the warblers specifically oh yeah okay so in the past i've gone to like high cliff and 
if I just take a walk on one of the trails, I'm completely overwhelmed by all of the buzzing warblers around. Oh, definitely. Yep. Okay, so my question is, what would you recommend for identifying? Do you, like, study beforehand and try to memorize, or do you, you know, take down certain aspects as you're there? Because once you see something in the binocular, it's impossible to try and capture it with a camera because they're gone. Yeah, warblers are, are tricky to photograph, especially if they're way up in the treetops. Um, I do. I kind of recommend both. I I love like during winter, just get a bird song CD or go to one of the bird uh, song websites like Cornell Lab has a, has a, every bird song you can think of, and just listen to all the songs of all the warblers or the calls because, like you said, when you're out there in the woods in in May when they come back. Your ears are just, I mean, if you're in tune with it, your ears are just popping with, you know, because they can all be singing at once. You could have 20 different kinds of warblers out there all singing at once. And if you can pick out the individual songs of each one, that will help you focus on, you know, a certain bird. Because a lot of times you do hear them before you see them, you know, because you can right. hear the, the buzzing sound or whatever sound they make. Some Different warblers make different sounds, but you'll hear that call and you'll think, you know, that's a black-throated green warbler. Now i got to find them, you know, because you can hear it and then you'll know. Or, you know, that's a yellow warbler or whatever. And some of the songs are pretty easy to, to recognize. A lot of them are pretty similar. So if you get a bird CD um, or a birding app or, or go to a bird watching website and just listen to the songs, um, especially now because then they're in your ear and you, you, you can be prepared. The other thing is when you're out there, just, you know, dedicate one whole day to just, just taking notes and just listening, just taking notes of everything you see. Kind of describe the song in words if you can, because a lot of the birding websites do that. They'll say, you know, this warbler sounds like it's saying, you know, sweet, 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 I'm so sweet. If you can get yes, that exactly. pattern. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a really good way to do it. And just write down what it sounds like, and then you can research that later. And even, okay. yeah, most of the warblers, too, when they come back in the spring, at least the males, they're very distinctively colored. So if you can get, if you can spot it, even just for a second and get those colors down, you know, say it was yellow with a black cap on its head or, you know, or white with a, a lime green head or whatever, then you can go look in your book and, and figure out what they were later. And the more, the more you do that, the, the better you're going to get at identifying them. Or you could go hiking with Rob Zimmer and he'll show you what they are. Yeah, I heard about that. I think you might have to try that. <laughs> yes, you might. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Warblers well, are fun. So Warb much, Rob. Warblers are awesome. Thank you. I know. You know, I have a whole DVD that has um, just a section on warblers, so I might have oh, yes. to yep. up on that. Yep. And it's, you know, obviously it's a different thing when they're way up in the treetops when they come back versus, you know, lower to the ground, which well, if you, if you go on the right when day. leaves on the trees, it's really hard to see yeah. them. Yeah. And the nice thing about warblers is a lot of times they come back just before the trees leaf out. You know, they, they time it a lot of times uh, for which is kind of gross to some people, but they time it during peak lake fly season on Lake Winnebago because that's what they're eating. When those lake flies hatch, those warblers are crazy, and they'll be right in front of your face oh, you know, munching on lake flies. <laughs> What's that? I said I can suck it up yeah. and try to get out during that time. It's worth it. And okay, well, thanks, Rob. Sure, and a lot of people also, you know, I always recommend some of the best bird watching days, especially for warblers, are actually the crappiest days. I mean, if you go out there when it's rainy and, and windy, you're probably going to see more warblers than if it's sunny and clear blue skies because that kind of drives them down toward the ground and they're, they'll be feeding on the ground instead of, you know, on sunny, bright days, they're way up in the treetops and they're, they're just hyper. Where on cloudy, cooler days, they're going to be down on the ground more feeding on, on some of the bugs on the ground because mm -hmm. that's where the bugs are on those days. All right, thanks for the call. 2A1150 yeah. is the phone number. Need to take a break. Be back with more of Outdoors. Rob Zimmer on WHBY.
You're listening to Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. I'm Zach Morris. And Rob, speaking of migration. Yes, speaking of migration, I did get an email from a listener who wanted to give me a little migration update from her her neck of the woods. And, and a lot of people, like like we talked about uh, last week, and it was so warm, a lot of people were seeing sandhill cranes and red, red ring blackbirds. And Christy Howard sent me an email. She, she's been keeping track of everything. And if you've seen a lot of these birds, give us a call, too, and let us know. We want to keep track of where they are. Uh, but she said, during the week of February 19th through the 25th, I witnessed many sandhill cranes returning. I know this is a bit early, according to my bird book. Um, and then she said on February 25th, uh, she couldn't believe the ice-coated trees. That was that day we had that really cool ice storm, which was really neat. Um, and then she said, uh, just this week on Thursday, March 2nd, she had a red-winged blackbird at her feeder. So she said, I did several double takes, and every time I tried to get him in my binoculars, he flew away. Uh, but then as she was getting into her car, she heard him sing. So, yeah, the red-winged blackbirds have been back. The sandhill cranes, robins have been back and singing. Cardinals are singing. Chickadees are singing. Um, bald eagles are nesting. There's several bald eagles on active nests throughout the area now and great horned owls, too. So, you know, spring is here. And, and speaking of spring, I also wanted to talk about uh, Lindsay, who called before. She was talking about High Cliff State Park. And coming up at High Cliff State Park in two weeks, I believe, on March 18th, um, Cindy Miller, who's the former naturalist there, and, and she's been on with me several times talking about eagles and things like that, um, she's going to be conducting a maple syrup program at High Cliff. So uh, check it out. It's free to the public, I believe. If I'm wrong, she'll call and yell at me. <laughs> but they're going to be doing maple pr- maple syrup program at High Cliff on March 18th. Uh, so get out there and check it out. We're doing demonstrations of making maple, uh, tapping the trees, making the maple syrup, boiling it down, things like that. So that'll be a fun program um, out at High Cliff. Um, also, before we end the show today, I also want to throw in today, if you're uh, if you're still looking for something inside to do, if you're not going to go to the fishing show in Nina, downtown at the Riverwalk, the, the Northeast Wisconsin Orchid Society is holding their big annual show today, too. It's called Orchid Magic. So if you're into orchids and want to see something tropical and colorful, uh, check out the Northeast Wisconsin Society's Orchid Show, um, Orchid Magic, in downtown Nina. And that's a really cool show, too. They have so many things going on. Obviously, lots of orchids for sale. You'll find hundreds and hundreds of different orchids for sale. Um, it's today from 9.30 to 3. So, um, oh, well, sales 9.30 to 4. The show is from 9.30 to 3. So that's at the Riverwalk Hotel downtown Nina. You'll find all sorts of exhibits, um, orchids. Uh, there's going to be some educational programs, how to grow orchids. They're going to be members of the Orchid Society. They're helping you with any questions you have on orchids and, of course, um, orchids for sale. So orchids of every kind and color. And the fun thing about orchids is they're not, they're not as hard as to think to grow as most people think. Um, there are orchids that will take full sun, part sun, you know, diffused light and stuff like that. So... Um, all sorts of orchids for all different sections of your home, and they're all available at the Northeast Wisconsin Orchid Society show in Nina. A lot of things going on. I know there's some for for a March weekend. There's a lot of stuff going on, and you know, no excuse not to get outdoors or do something to celebrate nature and gardening this week. Two eight one eleven fifty is the phone number, or one eight six six eight eight seven eleven fifty. So yeah, I mean, great weather. I mean, still at seventeen degrees right now. It's not bad right. outside. It's going up fast. It went up like five degrees during the show. Perfect so. time to get outside. Yeah, it's a beautiful day, and there's lots of fresh snow still. Uh, the snow this week was actually beautiful. I mean, it, like it's it seems like everything just started over, like we're back to December again, but it won't last long. Uh, but everything looked so beautiful when it first fell. You know, every tree was just covered in snow. Um, I'm really excited about the ice shoves. If I was going to do something this week, I'd get in, get in my car and drive around the lake. 
Well, the ice shoves in, still the snow going to trails. What the heck, yeah. last Saturday? And yeah. That was a Friday, that snowstorm. A little snowstorm. It was a little bad driving-wise, yeah. but it was nice to see all the fresh snow yeah. on the ground. Some Beautiful. trails had some markings, but there was something to make your own markings, so it was kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. So you could be the first one to walk on the trails in the fresh snow. And then seeing all the animal tracks, you know, mm-hmm. um, deer tracks and coyote tracks and rabbit tracks and all of that stuff. It's kind of fun to see. Yeah. The other cool thing is, like I was talking about before, the eagles on nest. I've seen several different eagles, and they're actually sitting in their nest. So the bald eagles in our area are nesting, and that's that's pretty cool to see this time of year. Um, uh, speaking of migration, too, I was also looking. Um, I got re- several notifications of hummingbirds and warblers are on their way. So normally they arrive late April, mi- late April to mid-May, uh, but the first ones have already reached the Gulf Coast, so the hummingbirds are, are on their way back from Central America and South America. They've crossed the Gulf of Mexico. They've entered the southern states, and now they're slowly working their way up here. So hummingbirds and then warblers, I've seen warblers. Well, I've seen reports of warblers. Uh, Lindsay was talking about those. Those are, for those who don't know, warblers are like, the most colorful birds we have. They're little songbirds that aren't much bigger than a hummingbird. They're about four to six inches long, but they're super colorful. And there's about 30 different species um, that can be seen uh, right here in Wisconsin. And there's even more in other parts of the country. But if you're lucky, you can see all of these species on one day. And and people have done that. And it's a challenging thing among bird watchers to get out there and and tally how many different warblers they can see. And they're all different. They're all all unique. They're all very colorful. There's blue ones, orange ones, red ones, black ones, white ones, green ones, all sorts of colors. Um, But uh, a couple have already been seen in Wisconsin. There's yellow-rumped warblers, or a lot of people call them butter butts because they have yellow butts. And those have been seen already. Those are usually one of the first ones to come back. Um, But a lot of them are as far north as, like, Missouri and Tennessee right now, so... Uh, the, those are coming too. And then the monarchs. Monarch migration is going to be starting any day now too. The monarchs are starting to kind of uh, feed up and rehydrate. They're they're coming out of the trees in Mexico where they overwinter and they're starting to, to flock down and drink water to kind of fill up for their journey north, which is going to be starting you know, literally any day now. The monarchs will start to come and hopefully it won't be like last year. Last year we had a huge uh, snowstorm down in Mexico in the mountains where they where they hibernate. Uh, well, don't, not hibernate, but where they gather for the winter. And it kind of killed a, a huge portion of the population. So hopefully nothing like that happens this year and we get a nice, strong uh, population of monarchs coming north. And then everybody can start planting their milkweed and planting their flowers to help feed them. So, so much going on. I love this time of year. You're listening to Outdoors of Rob Zimmer on WHBY. We'll take a break. Be back after this. Hear that? That's our wildlife of the week, the red-winged blackbird. We were just talking about those before. Uh, red-winged blackbirds are back, and they're back a couple weeks earlier than normal. A lot of people have made note of that. They're coming back earlier, and that's because of the warm weather we had. So uh, the males are the ones that sing. The males are, are back first every year. They usually come back uh, several weeks before the females usually and get on their territories and start singing, uh, which they started to do uh the week before, when we had 60s and 70s, they were all on their territory singing away. Now that it got a little bit colder, what happens is when it gets chilly out, uh, they tend to flock back up again. They, they form big flocks and they move around, and that's when they visit your bird feeders, and you get 20 or 30 at once that come to your bird feeders. Uh, but as soon as it warms up back again, they're going to spread out and go to their individual little territories and start singing again. Um, and they're singing to establish, you know, this is my home, this is my territory, you know, keep out. And you'll see them, red-winged blackbirds, even though 
Uh, they nest, you know, separately. They're kind of colonial nesters, too. So you'll find a lot of different males singing really close together in wetlands and marshes and things like that where they nest. Uh, but, yeah, that's our wildlife of the week, and you heard it. Uh, and if you were out and about the last week or so, you heard a lot of those out in the wild, too. About two minutes left to go in Outdoors of Rob Zimmer. Uh, your uh, UW classes. Yeah, I am teaching my, my program at UW, uh, UW Fox Valley, my gardening from the ground up class is going to start this Monday, and it's every Monday for the next three weeks, March 6th, March 13th, and March 20th from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, you can still sign up. Go to the UW website, UW Fox Valley website, and look under Continuing Education, but it's a three-part gardening series. Um, each night is two hours from 6 to 8, and within each night we're going to do three or four different topics, so it's going to be kind of uh, fun. The first week is going to be all about the basics of gardening, getting a soil test done, learning about fertilizers and things like that. Um, and Vegetable Gardening 101. The second week, I'm going to focus on different gardening design topics, so how to create a garden, how to design it, using both perennials, annuals, trees, shrubs, everything, mixing and matching. And then on the 20th, I'm going to be talking about uh, what your weeds are trying to tell you, You know how, what your weeds mean, because a lot of people, when they get weeds, they just want to just kill them, but the weeds are trying to tell you something about your soil and something about your garden, so you're going to learn a lot about uh, what those weeds mean and how to treat them uh, in a permanent way, not just with some chemicals and things like that. And then we'll also be talking about wildlife and pest control and things like that. So a really cool gardening series coming up, Gardening from the Ground Up at UW-Fox Valley uh, starting Monday, and there's still time to sign up. It looks like we have a, a nice group so far, um, and you can sign up for either an individual session or the whole thing. So pretty cool. Um, the other thing, I did have one Facebook question. I think I have time here. Um, Amy asked me about... Uh, she has an area on the northeast side of her house that she's looking for plantings for. So I just wanted to let her know, uh, Amy, there's lots of different plants that like that northeast uh, setting. That's your morning sun, basically. So things like hostas and coral bells and lilies and lilac shrubs, nine barks if you're looking for shrubs, uh, the wild geraniums, the aquilaria, astilbes, ferns, uh, Japanese anemones, azaleas, hydrangeas, all those different plants like that part shade or that morning sun. And I think we're done here. But hopefully that gave you some ideas. Lots of different plants that you can use for the northeast side of the house. Lots of colorful plants there. Um, and I gave you some trees, shrubs, perennials, and more. So hopefully that helps. Outdoors, Rob Zimmer. Rob, it's a great weekend. It's a great time to get out. We'll see you yes. next week. All right. You've been listening to Outdoors, Rob Zimmer. Under the Hood with Dean Juilliard coming up next here on WHBY. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.